get back to Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. Elliot, on the line, we've got a renowned writer on the phone, Jonathan Coleman, who just came out with a new book with Jerry West. It's called West by West, My Charm, Torture, Life. I mean, it looks like an interesting read. I have to get the book. I haven't had a chance to get it yet and read it, but... I'll, I'll wait for the audio book to come out. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Jonathan. Uh, tor- it's tormented, not tortured. Oh, tor- David's tormented and tortured. Or he well, will Jerry, be t- Jerry, would, Jerry would say it, tortured's... Uh, you know, is also appropriate, too. <laughs> so your background is not as a sports writer or anything like this. How did you come to do this autobiography with Jerry West? Well, one of the reasons I came to do it is Jerry did not want to work with somebody as much as he has had a very a good and strong relationship over the years with members of the of the press, the media. He very much wanted to work with someone who did not make his or her living on a daily basis, writing about basketball. Wanted somebody who had an appreciation of the game, a love of the game, but had enough distance from it um, to maybe uh, just see beyond it, if you will. And and that was one of the, that was one of the things he was he was definitely uh, seeking, and wound up finding that in me. Did you have to like interview with him to get a chance to write the book, or did he just say, you know what, I want Jonathan? Well, the interesting thing was I was the only person suggested to him, uh, this particular person suggested, thought I would be the right person given the kind of approach Jerry wanted to take, which was not write a conventional sports book at all. Which And, I, and by that I mean a book that um, generally is quickly forgotten and that mainly serves to glorify the athlete's um, past accomplishments. Jerry wanted to write a book about his life to explain himself and be understood, and he was revealing a lot of things for the first time. He's always been very genial with the press, uh, but has always been rather distant and aloof from the press. Uh, Here was a a time he wanted to be reflective and and tell his story. Now, how familiar were you with Jerry West, the basketball player, and Jerry West, the human being? Well, I was very familiar with Jerry West, the basketball player. I'm um, not that much younger than Jerry. I mean, 13 years younger. And I grew up rooting for the Celtics, which I told Jerry at the outset might be a problem. That wasn't a deal breaker? No. It's even more interesting than that. He immediately said, don't worry, you'll get over it. (laughs) Only for only for me to quickly find out that Jerry has never gotten over his uh, six finals defeats to the Celtics in the 1960s. Jerry, uh, you're on the line. Is that true? Yes, that's correct. <laughs> but Jerry, your good friend is a former uh, Celtic player, Bill Sharman. Well, he is, and Bill Russell, um, John Havlicek, a lot of the former players uh, I have great relationships with because I had great respect for them. And I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, when you're playing, uh, you don't like the other team, or at least I didn't. I particularly didn't like the Celtics, but I did like the players. I had great respect for them and what they accomplished. And uh, more importantly, I, I really loved the way they handled themselves. Uh, you know, they were very gracious always. Uh, uh, wasn't this uh, self, uh, uh, I guess, glorification of their achievements. They were just good guys, almost every one of them that I knew and knew well. 
but you only enjoyed that relationship after your career? No, I didn't. I didn't enjoy it at all for a while. <laughs> but no, uh, actually, I had great respect for them. And, and kiddingly, I, you know, as I, I, I was kidding Jonathan, I just heard him say that he'll get over it. Well, you know, the, um, we do seem to glorify the people at the, uh, at the end of the day who are left standing, the champions. And uh, I think there's a significant other story that people never talk about: the despair in, a, in another locker room, uh, you know, glorifying one team and. Next year, most people can't even tell you who was in the NBA Finals or who even was the opponent in the Super Bowl. It doesn't take long to erase that memory. How is this book different than other books that have been written about you in the past? I know you wrote a book a couple of years ago about your career. Is this more about your personal life or your career? Well, it's certainly uh, more about my life. I wouldn't say personal life, but my life. Uh, the other books were uh, really for a different audience and uh, some, something that somebody just talked me into because at that point in time, I think a lot of kids have an interest in, you know, what's uh, inside of an athlete. Uh, and it was really about the play. Uh, this is, I, I, in many ways, I don't even, I don't, I don't even find this a, a, a book about sports at all. I find it about life and the challenges that are ahead of all of us and particularly mine and, uh, uh, Jonathan was able to get a lot of this stuff out of me that certainly I've been reluctant to talk about in the past. And at the end of the day, I think most things in life are about trust and my trust in Jonathan to do this book and the incredible job he did because I've had so many people say, this sounds exactly like you. And Jonathan and I are two completely different people, but uh, I think we're both driven for, uh, uh, for things that uh, are on a different level than the average person. Now, what prompted you to want to write this book in the first place and then to get with Jonathan to uh, collaborate on it? Well, I just thought a story that probably needed to be told, to be honest with you. You know, players get uh, glorified so much, and I don't think people realize that a lot of struggles that athletes go through, just as every, everyday people from a walk of life. We have a, a different uh, forum to talk about things, and most of it is about glorifying your individual accomplishments. And that's not something I ever did in my life, nor would even want to at this day. I just did something I love to do, uh, to be around the people that brought me joy with my teammates. Uh, it was a significant moment in my life to share those moments. But uh, some of the dark things in my life uh, have haunted me, and even to this day still haunt me. And uh, I, I thought it was important to talk about. Jonathan, how difficult was it for you to extract some of these things that uh, haunt Jerry? Well, you know, to go back to one the thing earlier, the joking thing about Jerry saying to me I would get over my, you know, uh, love of the Celtics to work with him, the more I interesting thing was when I discovered that Jerry hadn't reconciled the Lakers' six defeats to the Celtics all those years later, that interested me tremendously. I wanted to try to get some understanding of why this haunted him. And that was that was certainly one of the many ways in uh, to Jerry's psyche and getting to know him. Uh, you know, I Jerry said we're completely different. In some ways we are, but um, in other ways we're similar in terms of sort of an intense passion for things, uh, curiosity, a desire to understand how something works. I, I became obsessed, actually, with trying, as I felt I needed to be, uh, with trying to understand how Jerry looked at things. I wanted to be very sensitive to the things he had gone through in his formative years and just trying to, you know, 
figure out the puzzle of Jerry, just as Jerry for so many years has approached his, his life and his, his work as a jigsaw puzzle, trying to put it all together. I was trying to do that in working with him. And in the end, I wanted to feel that I had served him well with what was the most honest statement of his life. And in a way, I, I like to think that the book on some level is Jerry's legacy uh, beyond his playing career, which he doesn't look at as a legacy at all because he was doing something he enjoyed and was almost addicted to doing. Jerry, how did your relationship with your father shape your life and your career? Well, you know, I think that uh, anything that you see as a child, uh, depending upon, you know, everyone's wired differently. Uh, you know, we're all, um, when we were young, I think those are the really formative years. But if you look at families from the same DNA, they're completely different. And, uh, and to some respects, I was completely different than everyone in my family. And uh, to the extent I was painfully shy, uh, you know, any acknowledgement of me was, was embarrassing, uh, even even through my high school career uh, and well into my college career, I, I carried that same kind of uh, profile. Um, it was not something I, I felt comfortable with because I think what you see at home uh, pretty soon is going to be part of uh, your life and your uh, and your path to whatever success or failures you might have in your life. And uh, it's always difficult uh, to grow up where you don't have any self-esteem. You're, I think you're trying to do things to impress your parents, and that may be particularly your father. But uh, at the end of the day, for me, uh, it was something that wasn't going to work for me because my father had a different opinion about who I was, and uh, it greatly affected me. But I can tell you that uh, when my brother uh, was killed in Korea, there was enormous change in everything uh, in our family. The dynamics completely changed. Uh, uh, he was kind of the beacon of our family, and um, you know some of the things that uh, I think fueled my anger, uh, I didn't see as much. And I think I, frankly, lived my uh, athletic career through anger. Uh, but yet I was able to manage it to make it a workable situation to be on teams that had success, uh, to whatever coach asked me to do. I don't care who he was. I may not have believed in it. I did it because I was disciplined enough. And uh, I think one thing about our family was about hard work and uh, being the best person you could be. Now, over time, sometimes we learn to grow comfortable in our skin. Has that happened with you? Well, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with who I am as a person, because, but I'm not the person that everyone sees from a distance at all. Um you know, I look at myself as much more common, uh, much more approachable than most people. Uh, you know, I embrace people. Um, I, I would never, I would never uh, look down on anyone in any sense uh, or shape, because I'm just like them. Uh, at the end of the day, athletes are put on a pedestal, and uh, it's something I never felt comfortable with because this that is not who I am. I played not for money. I played because I just loved the competition and uh, loved the state of West Virginia where I played for and loved the city of Los Angeles where I played for. And I played for the city, the state, and the uniform that I wore. Uh, nothing more, nothing less. And a lot of people have a hard time believing that because they think athletes uh, are all alike. And we see so many athletes today that you know are really embellish who, who they are. And at the heart of it, there's probably a, 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 some of the same issues that I faced when I was a kid, and they manifest themselves in different ways. How did you feel when the NBA chose your 
likeness to be their basically branding, and now you have a statute in your likeness. Does that make you feel kind of weird, or you're happy about that? No, not really. Either way, shape or form, I, I've paid little or no attention to it. You know, I think it's humbling to that people would, would want to honor you in any way, shape, or form. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, that doesn't make any difference. About I don't wake up in the morning thinking about a statue. I didn't play for a statue. I don't worry about a logo uh, that was established long ago, and, and uh, I don't worry about things like that. Um, but everything that when people recognize you for accomplishments, regardless of what you're doing. It doesn't have to be as an athlete. I think it's flattering because it reflects hard work and dedication. And at the end of the day, it always reflects someone who cares deeply about what they're trying to accomplish. Now, Jonathan, how did the process unfold so you could get to the point of being comfortable with Jerry and Jerry being comfortable with you? Well, I think the the interesting thing is I think Jerry and I felt comfortable with each other from our first dinner on, uh, we left that dinner, just the two of us in West Virginia, um, and Jerry was the one who said, I think we're here to find out if we can trust each other. I mean, and, and, and that's exactly why we were there. I wanted to come away from that dinner with a feeling, a very convincing feeling, that Jerry was as complicated and complex as I'd heard he was. And I and I mean that uh, I wanted to know there was a lot to work with, and I found out very quickly there was a lot to work with. Who picked and, up the tab? Well, Jerry doesn't let anybody pay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, he 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 has been tricked before by people who have paid ahead of time and have made an arrangement, but uh, he prefers to pay for a lot of reasons, not all of which are obvious ones, in my opinion. But. Um, <laughs> It's been a it's been a it's been a incredible journey with Jerry, and I'm I'm actually going to really. Somebody asked me the other day, I said, "What are you going to miss?" I'm, I miss the intensity of it. Uh, we don't have to talk every day on the phone. I I have a good idea of what his days are like. I, I when when he didn't come for breakfast one day in the tour, I didn't worry about it. I kind of felt he was probably depressed. I had a sense that this was taking a lot out of him. And he was feeling it most acutely when he was alone. Um, it's been interesting. The uh, I, I feel like I've learned a lot about America in their reaction to the book, uh, and positively for the most part, that people admire Jerry for doing something that he did not need to do for money or for any other reason, except he needed to do it. He, in a larger sense, he needed to tell this story. He wanted people to understand, and there have also been other people, and this has really been upsetting to me, but it's it's also reality check, that look at Jerry's life and basically say, hey, he has been an unqualified success, and I don't know, you know, I don't want to know about these negative things. The basic message being, if you've been that successful, you're, you don't have a valid right to complain about things and that has probably irked and upset me more than anything else about the reaction of the book. I think it's been in the minority, but it has still been there. And you know, it tells you more about the people who are responding to that than what's in the book or the or the, the story that's being told. Jonathan, did you feel at times you were almost Jerry's therapist? Well, I don't know. I mean you hear 
people say that writers overall are nonfiction writers when they write something and they interview a lot of people that each time they interview somebody, if the person is be, becomes very revealing in what they're saying, that you, you play that role. No, I just felt I was somebody walking along with Jerry, driving along as we did on both coasts, um, learning about him as he was learning about me. I think he saw that in me that I was somebody, uh, and he was right, very prone to blue moods, my own depression. I think that actually helped make him feel more comfortable with me. He, I think he said, I'm mean, just speaking for myself, I think Jerry sensed that I got it, and, and I, I didn't, it didn't take me long to get it, and that he also knew I was going to keep going. I mean, I wanted to keep peeling back the onion to see how it's all this book's all about it it's a very real book um and that's what i do think sets it apart from most sports fair you read and and there's a lot of basketball in it but this is a book about a man's life uh, who's had a very complicated life and has made uh, a very improbable journey it was it was it was a roller coaster working with jerry it was a, it was an amazingly complex ride but you know i would do it again with somebody like him i i would never want to work with somebody and i'd never collaborated before that i thought there wasn't in the end much to the story we're all interesting but some people are more interesting than others jerry i saw you at the nba all-star week and i don't know if it was last year or before giving an award to bill sharman and you mentioned basically his role in your life was he kind of like a father figure to you well not really because you know we we were competitors uh you know, I played for, I guess, four different coaches in my career in the NBA, and, and frankly, I would probably have been someone that was anyone would like to coach because I really didn't bitch and complain. Uh, you know, playing was the ultimate goal. Whatever coach asked to do, I, I did it. And uh, you, you don't always agree, but I did it because I think ultimately at the end of the day, the players are, you know, they're, they're almost like racehorses, to be honest with you. They're trained to be temperamental uh, in the sense that they're high strung. There's a lot of emotion going through your body every day. And when you have that, uh, there's no question that you are different. And you realize that when you start to play the game, maybe at a different level than others. But, you know, going back to something Jonathan said a little, little, little bit earlier, you know, the different reactions I've gotten from people. My, my, most of mine have been unbelievably complimentary, okay, to, talking about the same problems they share with people. And the other ones, you know, say um, very much, you know, how could you write a book like this? Um, they don't understand depression, okay? No one does unless you have it. And these are issues that uh, uh, have caused me a lot of pain. And uh, when I say pain, I'm not talking about physical pain, but the last thing that you do when you go to bed at, at night, you, you have these thoughts. And, you know, why don't, I, why don't I feel good? And you struggle with it because, you know, I have every reason to feel good. But, um, as I say, it is a curse, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy, and I'm sure we have many out there that you don't know about. But uh, at the end of the day, um, as I say, the letters I have gotten have been so gratifying. Uh, I can't even tell you, even the negative ones, because to me it's like the press. They keep you balanced. Uh, I don't want to be put on a pedestal because I shouldn't be put on a pedestal. And um, the balance in your life is what's most important. But ultimately, every day when you get up and you feel great about yourself, oh, my gosh, this is like you know, the sun is out. And some days you wake up and it's dark and it's rainy. And um, those are the days that are struggles for everyone, I think, particularly me. 
Now, Jerry, I come from a family with a rich history of depression. Are are you concerned about how that gets passed on to the next generation, and are you more cognizant of that among your children? Well, yes. Um, you know, my my kids. Um, you know, my my kids. You know, in my own way, I have a great love for my kids. You know, sometimes I'm not demonstrative in uh, in expressing it, but you're just hopeful that, uh, and it runs in families. You're hopeful it doesn't run in your families, but. Uh, as I say, my kids are. I'm very proud of what they've been able to do on their own. Uh, they're all good boys, and um, I think in, for some of them to read it, they might look at it a little bit different way than than I do. But I think at the end of the day, when when I've talked to them about it, uh, they've been very pleased that I wrote the book. I want to go to your point career. When you guys set the record for most consecutive wins, you won three times back to back to back games. And there's a lot of talk this year and this year's NBA season that it's not fair to the players to play three games in a row. How do you feel about that? Well, I think it's almost laughable because it shows you how easy players have had it. And the travel, I mean, my gosh, I can't even imagine them trying to play a schedule like this uh, if they had to travel the way we traveled. Then there would be reasons to complain. Uh, I think the teams that have been around together longer will have an easier route of this. Uh, but I, frankly, I would have rather practiced after you got in shape and did all the things you do in training camp. I would have much rather practiced. I mean, much rather played and practiced. Games were, games were really special for me. Practice was just to kind of hone your skills and be sharp. But the games were the significant thing because that ultimately is going to decide what kind of season you had or didn't have. Now, Jonathan, you talked of uh, peeling back the layers of the onion. Do, do you have the feeling there are more layers? to be peeled back, or did you peel back some layers and then say, okay, we, we have to leave that peeled or unpeeled? Well, you know, I, I kidded Jerry last week. We were we were on an interview, and I said, you know, maybe maybe we should do part two, and I thought he would say <laughs> no, but he said, oh, maybe we will. I mean, <laughs> look, I, I can tell you, living around Jerry, every day is an adventure because he doesn't know when he wakes up in the morning what's what's in front of him not really on other uh, other than what's on his calendar but the nice thing is he's eager for the surprise of it all uh, he he would not be happy if he knew everything that was going to happen every second of the day trust me as he would say that's an expression i've learned from him he he wouldn't he likes the surprise the serendipity um and 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 so who knows I don't even know what the next chapter is going to be for Jerry, but I I feel that I do think that this book came as close as possible. It's an honest book. It's a very real book, and it's too real for some people. That's part of the problem. It's too much for some people, but it is what it is, and Jerry does not need to apologize for what he's done in this book. It's it's really, it's just the opposite. The fact that he was so honest is, is a tribute to the process of, of doing this. There were, there were no punches pulled, and nobody was belittled. That's what people don't understand. Even the Jackson thing, which caused some... It's just Jerry giving his version of the year that they spent together. That's all. Jerry, I mean, what was, what was you know, Phil Jackson like to work with? Uh, well, I probably wouldn't know very well. <laughs> because, uh, you, know, you know, it was like, frankly, you know, I've sat in locker rooms where guys despised each other. That wasn't the case, okay? It's just the fact that he operated uh, differently than I did, and uh, you know we we didn't communicate hardly any at all, and um, 
at the end of the day, uh, you know, he did his job. He did his job, what he was supposed to do. But I didn't leave the Lakers or walk away from the game when we had a championship-caliber team and a championship-caliber coach. I didn't leave for that. I mean, I, was, I felt like an overdosed a junkie, to be honest with you. I just, I just, I didn't enjoy any of it. It wasn't fun. It was, uh, it took a toll on me, both professionally and personally. And uh, at the end of the day, it, it wasn't bringing me any joy. And uh, I knew we had great teams, and I knew we were going to have great success. But uh, I really couldn't be part of that. And I would never be presumptuous enough to know that I was even going to keep my job. Uh, you know, you hear people say, "Well, I'd like to. I'm going to coach a couple more years." And or I'm going to be the general manager for a couple of years. That is not true. You don't control your own destiny. An owner does that. And uh, I'm just thankful that I was able to uh, be involved with the same franchise that I had played with for so many years. But uh, frankly, there was another life for me because uh, the love of my life was basketball. And I wanted to continue. And I had a chance to work for another great owner in Mike Heisley. And now I'm involved with the Warriors, which... Uh, that the people are very much kind of the kind of people I like, people who are not energy drainers, people who um, you feel empowered and encouraged around. And my role's not the same. Uh, hopefully it won't get me back into the same things that kind of drove me away from it, the, the just obsession with winning and uh, the pressure that you put on yourself. Uh, I don't. I really wouldn't want to relive that. What is it that organizations want from you? Well, you know, you never know. Um, you know, I think people, they, they always talk about basketball experts. They're not basketball experts. They're not. Uh, you know, people, some people have a better educated guess. Some people have success. And, and many times it's the people that you work with that contribute to that. But we had a lot of success here in Los Angeles. I think I'm aware of what it takes to make a successful team, a successful organization. But uh, as I say, I'm going to be an advisor. And strictly advisor, they'll get my opinion. I'm not going to make those decisions. And I think what they wanted me around just another pair of educated eyes. Jerry, how do you feel about players nowadays saying, I only want to play for this team. If you don't trade me there, I'm going to go there when I'm a free agent. Well, frankly, I think it's disgusting. Um, uh, you know, I would say there's, uh, to me, uh, one of the things I, I most like, I mean, I would have liked to test, been able to test a free agent market to see, you know, for a particular place I wanted to play. So the players have earned it, but I think somewhere along the way, uh, loyalty has been forgotten. And, uh, you know, you have you know, people make rules, they break rules. Um, I, I wish they had a system where and it, they're never going to. And and I respect uh, David Stern and, and the job they've done there. I also respect the players' right to go play where they wanted to. But I think there's times in your life when you want to go somewhere that maybe you feel like you have a better chance to win and particularly win at a high level. and um, But at the end of the day, I, I don't like the fact that players can dictate to management or try to dictate where they're going to go. Did you have one coach who was a favorite? Oh, yeah, uh, Bill Sharman. And obviously I can't forget my college coach uh, who recruited me and uh, was you know someone who taught me a lot about the game because I was a self, self-taught player. And I felt I got better every year because of people who were smarter than I was and who saw things in a little bit different way than my mind would allow me to see them. And um, uh, so those two people in particular, but I, en- I enjoyed playing for every coach I played for. It made no difference who I played for. I want to know how you averaged 13 rebounds a game in college as a 6'2 guard. It's incredible. 
Well, I'm really not 6'2". I'm 6'4 and a half. <laughs> and I have about a 40-inch sleeve length. So, uh, And I was, a, I was an athlete. I could run. Basketball is a game of anticipation, quickness, uh, how your mind is wired. And I was a, always a good rebounder. And even in the NBA, I was a good rebounder. But uh, you want to be on a team that um, I think uh, has other people doing that job and letting you concentrate on the things you just do best, being a leader, passer, defender, score when needed. Uh, those are the things that were part, such a part of my life. Now, Jonathan, I know the book is freshly out, but <clears throat> down the road, do you envision this coming to the uh, the silver screen in some sort of movie? I, I would have thought prior to seeing Moneyball, that I would have thought that this would be a natural HBO feature film. Um, it's, it's of that quality, and they do such quality work. I, I'd be surprised if they weren't interested in it. But frankly, once I saw Moneyball, which I know went through three scripts and three different directors, they, they got everything right in that, in my opinion. I, I came away from that. I remember writing to Jerry, and I said, gosh, if they could make Moneyball into a film, I I mean, Jerry's story is much more interesting and complex than that. And um, there's such great relationships forged along the way. I mean, this book really is, at heart, it's a book about relationships, whether it's Jerry's relationship with his father, you know, his relationship with Elgin Baylor, uh, whoever it is, it's it's about relationships. And uh, Moneyball, for instance, the relationship that, that Billy Bean had with the character who was really Paul DePodesta, is is one of the things that made that movie. So, uh, I, you know, we'll see. It's 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 um, it's being handled by you know a respectable, very venerable agency in Los Angeles, and but you never know with that. You, you you never know. But I think it would be great. I think I really do. Well, to me, you know, as I, I, I did see Moneyball, and it was very well written. No, Billy being there, have no of him. Uh, certainly is. Uh, in his philosophy on trying to win, but you know, to me, it was winning at a different level than they had hoped to. And and I say, working in a smaller market, you certainly understand. But Oakland's not a small market, and um, uh, to me, life is about winning and uh, how you win. Um, and I think it all has an awful lot to do, as I, I, I mentioned earlier, in the, in the people who are committed to doing that, and that has to be management and ownership, and particularly ownership. Thank you so much for your time, Jonathan and Jerry. It was a pleasure talking to you. Well, thanks thank for you having me. very much. Thank okay, you. thank you. It was Jerry West and Jonathan Coleman talking about the new book that came out about his life, and it's not just about basketball. No, no. Life is uh, far beyond the hardwood. Exactly, and he knows what's important and what's yeah. not, and he's trying to tell people that it's not just about winning or losing or how much money you make. But I want to thank our guests today, Jerry West, Jonathan Coleman, and the beautiful Patricia Cara. You're listening to Sports and Torts. Uh, I want to thank our producer, Dave Olson. Stay tuned again next week. Thanks.